Good morning, Journey Church. And we are excited about today. There is a lot happening today. We've got a message from the Word of God. We've got fellowship with each other. Then we've got Baptism Sunday. We're going to be meeting out at uh, Camp Careway. What you just saw there is video from Camp Careway. So if you've never been, you can kind of see things to, to look at and it's waiting for you. And then after baptism, then we're going to have just a church-wide cookout and go up and eat. So we've got hot dogs with all the fixings and chips and desserts and uh, just a good time of uh, food fellowship. And then from then till 7 o'clock, the camp is ours. And you can go and play basketball. You can go play uh, gaga ball. You can, there's a lot to do there. I'm just kind of curious. How many of you know what tetherball is? Anybody know what tetherball is? Okay. So if you saw in the clip, Chris and I played tetherball. And because Chris goes, what's tetherball? And I said, okay, I just feel like 10 years older than I already felt. And that, so we had to experience what tetherball was like. So we hope you'll join us. You say, well, Randy, this is our first Sunday here. We welcome absolutely. We would love to have you come and be there and help to celebrate those that are taking that step of obedience and following Christ and baptism. And then just to get, what better way to get to know each other than at a cookout? So we hope that you'll come uh, everything's there. You don't need to bring anything. If you, now, if you signed up to bring something, we need that. But it, other than that, we got everything covered. And uh, it's free. doesn't cost you anything. So we hope that you will uh, join us for that time. Let me say I want to publicly thank Chris. Uh, Chris Andrews, our youth pastor, preached for me last Sunday. We were coming back from Indiana. And uh, I had talked to Chris a few months ago about preaching. And he said... If you think that's what God wants, I'll do it. And Chris did a, an amazing job, and the word was very powerful. And I tell you what, we are blessed, and I am thankful for Chris and Brooke and what they're doing with our young people and in their own lives. Yes. Because then that kicked the teens uh, going to uh, youth camp this past week for Fuge up at Ridgecrest. And let me tell you, they came back pumped and psyched, and I told them, I want to see that continue. And so, uh, I, guys, I'm impressed. The ones I see here, and there's others throughout, uh, keep that love for God and keep that going. And as you're going to see today, when you're obedient to what God wants, man, the joy overflows. Where you start to really battle is when you say, God, I just don't know if I should follow you or what, then that's when the struggle happens, and you're like, man, I just... Can't see the joy of the Lord. Obedience brings joy. And so we, we've seen that in our teens. Saw that in Chris and preaching last week. So, folks, God's at work. And one of the things that I, I, I tell our staff is this. Wherever God blesses, the devil tries to burden. Haven't you seen that in your own life? As soon as God starts to bless, boy, here comes the devil. And he tries to bring the, the burdens and the negativity and all that kind of stuff in. And so we want to stay focused on Christ because what does 1 John 4, 4 tell us? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So when the devil starts to give you a hard time, say, listen, I know how your story ends. I don't have to fear you. I'm going to serve the one who gave himself for me. And so it's a great reminder. And so I hope that's your heart's desire today because we've been doing a series entitled Heart to Serve. And the first Sunday we did one called The Principle of Position. Jesus said, in my kingdom, the least will be greatest. In other words, if you want to advance in the kingdom of God, serve more. 
Now, that goes contrary to what we have in our culture today. In our culture, it's be served more. If the more that you're served, then the more powerful you are. Jesus said, in my kingdom, the more you serve, the more powerful you are. So the principle of position. Last week, Chris challenged you with the principle of mentoring. And folks, that's something that's greatly needed in our church today is for the older ones to help the younger ones grow in their faith. But we also need holding each other accountable and holding each other up so we can mentor each other. Everyone here and everyone that's listening live, you ought to have a mentor in your life and you ought to be mentoring somebody. If that's not true in your life, then the chain's disconnected and that needs to be corrected, okay? The power of mentoring. Well, today we're going to go another step into our series on Heart to Serve. And the title of this message is The Principle of Obedience. The Principle of Obedience. Subtitle would be Following Through the Waters. Following Through the Waters. Because if we're not willing to follow Christ through the waters then we won't be prepared when we get to the fire. You, if you can't follow the Lord in obedience in baptism, then there's no way when there's a fiery furnace waiting for you like it did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are you going to be able to withstand it. So when we understand the significance of obedience in baptism, that it's not just a church thing. Okay, Church did not come up with baptism. Some preacher didn't sit there and go, you know what? There are some people in my congregation I would love to dunk under the water. So you know what? I think I'm going to come up with a thing, and we'll call it baptism. That's right. We're going to dunk you. It's not, a, it's not a pastor thing. It's not a church thing. It's a God thing, just like we talked about with marriage. And so when we understand that, it helps us to understand that relationship with, with Christ. But there's a couple things I want you to see as we prepare for looking at this third section. We're going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus. And did you know that in leading up to the baptism of Jesus, these two principles that we've already talked about were in place? These two principles of the principle of position and the principle of mentoring was already in place? Look at the principle of position. In Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to be today as it talks about the baptism of Jesus. Matthew 3.11 says this, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when we understand that, who's speaking? John the Baptist. John the Baptist at this time is the man. Jesus has not made the scene yet for his public ministry. Everybody's looking to John. People are following John. He has many disciples that he is mentoring, okay? But Jesus comes on the scene, and when he comes on the scene, he could have said, "Uh, Jesus, not today. I've got a good crowd here, and so not today. No, he understood, and he says, there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to even unlatch. Remember we talked about the principle of the basin and the towel in the principle of position. He said, I'm not even worthy for him to take my shoe off, let alone wash my feet. You see, John understood it. And in case we miss it, in John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist said, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. John understood the principle of position. He didn't sit there and go, hey, all these crowds are coming for me. It's about me. No, I am the forerunner 
of the one whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlatch. He understood the principle of position. But there's also the principle of mentoring. Look at the conversation that takes place between John the Baptist and Jesus. Because John the Baptist, when Jesus comes down and goes, John, I need to be baptized. John goes, wait a minute, Lord. I, I should be baptized by you. I know who you are. I should be baptized by you. Jesus said to him, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He said, John, I get it. I get that it makes sense to you that I should be baptizing you because you know who I am. You recognize that I am the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. You understand that I am the Son of God. But John, there's righteousness that needs to take place right now. There's a right act that needs to take place. And John, that right act is you need to baptize me. So let it be. Okay, he made it clear. John shared his concerns, shared this doesn't seem right. Jesus said, here's what is right. It is appropriate for you to baptize me now. Notice those last three words. Then he, not Jesus, John the Baptist, then he consented. So church, that's our challenge for today. As God begins to show you truth today through the baptism of Jesus Christ, you're going to be challenged. Are you willing to consent? Are you willing to say, okay, Lord, I've tried it my way. Lord, I've tried doing it this way. I've tried going my own way because it made sense to me. But Lord, I see truth, so I consent. Are you willing to do that today? If so then God's going to show us more truth and he's going to grow us in a great way. If you sit there and go, no, I just don't think it's important, then you're going to just continue to, to get further away from Christ. John the Baptist consented. Will you? Well, let's look at it. Because there are four factors of obedience that are seen in Jesus' baptism. Four. You say, Randy, any good, any good pastor does three points. Well, I'm not a good pastor, so we're going to go four, okay? We're going to go four because there is so much depth here. Because I guarantee you, we've read over this verse before and go, and Jesus was baptized. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. Man, there is so much that happens here. So the first thing is this, as we look at Jesus' baptism, the scripture says in Matthew 3, and when Jesus was baptized, that's how it starts out. And when Jesus was baptized, the act of obedience precedes the blessings. Jesus didn't sit there and go, you know, Father, I think the way this would work better is if when I come into the water, the heavens open up, the spirit descends like a dove and rests upon me, and you say in that loud voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Boy, that'll get their attention. You say, Randy, that's, are you being a little facetious? Yeah, a little bit. Because we want God to do the same thing for us. We're told and commanded, we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. We're supposed to be witnessing, sharing the gospel. But you're like, <laughs> What if people make fun of me? What if people reject that? What if it doesn't go right? Lord, let them start the conversation, then I'll be glad to, to share it. 
No, obedience has to be done first. Sometimes as children, you'll say, Mom and Dad, when I think you're worthy, then I will obey you. You know how we say it in our terminology? Randy, you can't expect me to follow Mom and Dad and obey them because they're clueless. Well, you're saying the same thing. When they make sense to you, then you'll obey them. Then you'll honor them. And, and God says, no. I want you to obey them first. And then he says this, honor your mother and father for this is right. And it's the first commandment with promise. You obey the promise, the blessing comes. But it doesn't come until the obedience happens first. Because you see, our flesh desires that we see the, the results, the blessings, the benefit of doing it, then we'll do it. But God requires obedience first and then the results. You see, God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to obey me. I want you to believe what I say is true. And when you do, then the blessing comes. That's seen all throughout scripture. We can go all the way back to Joshua 3.15. Because see, Moses has died. Joshua is now the commander. He is now the leader of the nation of Israel. Talk about shoes to fill. Joshua had them. And so they're getting ready to go, and they've got to cross the Jordan River. And so God tells Joshua to get the people together, get the uh, priests together, take the Ark of the Covenant, and I want you to step into the water and then I'll allow you to cross. Now, there's something we need to understand. And so we're going to look at Joshua 3.15. And I want you to see this verse of why this was so significant. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Okay, If you're familiar with floods and rivers are flowing after the flood, is the current swift or slow? It is swift. If you're carrying this heavy ark and the, front, and the first two priests on either side go to step in and that water doesn't part, they're gone. And the ark would be dropped. And so humanly speaking, it would be, Lord, that doesn't make sense. It's not worth the risk. Can't you just part the waters like you did at the Red Sea and then we'll cross? Because you see, have you ever tried to use scripture to convince God he needs to change his mind? You did it at the Red Sea. We know you can do it. Why won't you do it? And I can see when Joshua comes to the, to the nation of Israel and says, here's what God says to do. Listen, when we followed Moses, Moses made sure it was dry before we, we even touched it. Now you're wanting us to put our feet in first. Yes, obedience comes first, then the blessing. You see, there's something we need to understand. Salvation is by faith alone. I want to make sure you understand that, okay? Baptism has nothing to do with the salvation process, okay? That's why when Jesus was on the cross and he uttered those last words, it is finished, to telestai, it means that the work was done. Nothing else had to be added. It was paid in full. So baptism or any other work is not to be saved. It's not, well, I made a profession, then I got baptized, then I'm saved. No, 
I made a profession. I gave my heart to Christ. I confessed my sin, asked him to, to forgive me and be my payment. Bam, that's salvation, plain and simple. But baptism is the first work or the first action done after salvation to demonstrate obedience to your God. You say, Randy, why is that so important? Your God. Because, folks, before I got saved, he was just God. There has always been God. But it wasn't until I accepted Jesus' work on Calvary that he became my God. That's why I love this. God said, in case you missed it, Randy, not only can you call me your God, but you can call me Abba Father. What a beautiful demonstration of that relationship that takes place. And so now, belonging to him, he says, now, I want you to take that first step of obedience, and I want you to be baptized. Every gospel talks about being baptized. Jesus, when he was ascending to the Father, said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, you, you can't make any kind of argument that baptism isn't necessary because Jesus has made clear that we understand it is. But have you ever thought about this? Jesus did not have to be saved. You, you don't see anywhere where Jesus makes a profession of faith. Why? Because he didn't need to. He's the son of God. If he had to make a profession of faith, now he's just admitted he's guilty like we are and how can he save us then? So nowhere do you ever see Jesus making a profession of faith because he was that perfect sacrifice. He is the son of God. But you go in the gospels from Jesus' birth to baptism. Mark, who his purpose is showing Jesus as a servant, he starts out not with the birth of Jesus Christ, but with the baptism of Jesus Christ. So from birth to baptism, baptism is what started the public ministry to show that he was being obedient to his father. You see, Jesus didn't have to be, but he did to set the example for you and me. Now, folks, let me ask you a question. If Jesus was baptized, do you think you're going to be able to convince him that you don't need to be? You see, that's why baptism is not salvation it is a step of obedience. So we have to understand the first part is this. Obedience is required before the blessings can come. What kind of blessings are you talking about, Randy? Well, the second thing is this. Not only do we have that the uh, obedience has to come first and precede the blessing, but the second one is this. Obedience opens our eyes to the kingdom of God. Because you get saved, and now you're like, okay, I'm saved, but now what? Well, we have to follow with that obedience in being baptized and showing that we are truly following the voice and the leading of God and not just ourselves. Here's what the scripture says. Immediately, he went up from the water, that's Jesus, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. Now, folks, Jesus knows what heaven looks like. He came down from heaven, took upon the form of man, right? He knows what heaven looks like. But here, it's a reminder, and it's a showing to us 
that when we are baptized, it is opening up that we are now following our God and not just our way. Because in Matthew 6, which is going to happen just a couple chapters later, Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. You guys know the Lord's Prayer, right? But listen to the first part. Our Father, not God, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we get that, right? We, we know that. We, we teach kids to quote that. But don't miss the significance of that. Because when he's teaching his disciples to pray, that's not a prayer that is prayed by the lost because they're not his father. It's a, a prayer for us as Christians to pray and saying, our father which art in heaven, I recognize where you are and your ways are above our ways. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Baptism says, Lord, I want to do it your way and stop doing it my way. And church, there's a lot of Christians that refuse to take that step of obedience because they don't want to. I talked with a lady once several years ago and she's like, Randy, I'm in a, I'm in a real dilemma. I wanna be baptized, I know the importance of it, but you don't understand, I get my hair done on Saturdays. True story. And if I go in that water, I'm going to come up looking like a mess. And I can't get in until next Saturday because it's a standing appointment. Now, guys, we don't understand that. Ladies, you kind of do, and that's where the laughter comes from. But she's like, you know what it would mean for me to get baptized? Your hair? And for some of you, it's like, well, I just don't want to get up there in front of everybody. Others are like, well, I'm kind of germaphobic, and other people have been in that baptism water, and ugh. See, now we start telling Jesus, and could you see Jesus going to Jordan and go, hey, John, I'm the son of God. And so could, could we go over here? Because remember, the Jordan's not a, it's not like going to the Caribbean, right? It's not going to these crystal clear waters. It's a dirty river. John, could, could we go over here and could you draw some water out of the well and we'll put it in a nice tank and, 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 and put me there? It's amazing the things that we will do and the excuses we'll give not to obey Jesus. And I could just see Jesus going, okay, I went to Calvary in front of everybody and died. You see, I wonder, church, do we really see him as our God? Do we really see him as our Lord? Or do we just see him as our ticket out of hell and into heaven? Well, I'm saved. I got accepted Christ. I'm just not that religious. I'm just going to go do this. Man, we miss out on so much when we won't obey. And so Jesus went to the river, and, and he was going to be baptized. Not because he needed to, but he did it to show us that step of obedience. To show us we're leaving behind the earthly living, the part that is natural to us, and now we're seeking his kingdom, his will. 
being born makes you part of a family. When my daughter was born, we gave her a name, Anna Kelly. I didn't sit there and go, uh, nurse, could we wait like five years to see how she's going to act? I may want to send her back. I couldn't do that, right? I couldn't do that. When she was born, her mother and I named her, and that's our child. And like it or not, she's a Kelly. So does that, whenever I say to her, Anna, you need to clean your room. Listen, I'm a Kelly, and you can't change that, and I don't have to clean my room, so just deal with it, old man. Is that going to go over very well? Listen to me, church. We do the same thing to God when God says, I want you to witness. I want you to love your wife. I want you to love your husband. I want you to, to honor your mom and dad. And when we know what God tells us to do and we say no, what we're saying is this. I know I'm going to heaven. I know my sins are forgiven. But don't you ask anything else of me, God. It wouldn't fly in our natural homes and church, it doesn't fly in God's kingdom as well. So where does the blessings come? Because Anna was born at Kelly, she has special privilege, at least in my heart. So if my daughter comes up and asks me for a dollar bill, I said 20 in the first service because she wasn't here. Now that she's here, we're going to go lower. If she comes up and asks me for a dollar bill, I'm going to say, okay, sure, sweet. If you come up and ask me for money, I'm going to be like, what's your purpose? What's your plan? Uh, what, kind of, you know, what kind of collateral do you have? Because why? As she has grown and she has honored her mother and I, she gets that blessing. She gets that relationship. She gets to have that relationship with her mother and with me. And church, that's what we miss out on a relationship with God is when we just sit there and go, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, leave me alone. We miss out on that relationship. And it starts by being obedient. Let's look at 2 Kings 5 and see the story of Naaman. Naaman is a good example of this. Naaman had leprosy. And he was given a death sentence, you're gonna die. He's told, hey, if you go see the prophet of God, Maybe he can help you. Well, he does. And Elijah says to him, hey, go down to, the, go down to the river, the Jordan River. Okay, I want you to see something here. What river is it that Jesus was baptized in? The Jordan. What river was it that the Israelites had to cross with the Ark of the Covenant? The Jordan. What river was it Naaman was told to go dip in? The Jordan. Folks, God has a plan throughout the course of history. Nothing takes him by surprise. There is no coincidence. It is all by the working and planning of our God. So don't feel like you're just out there haphazardly. God's got you. So the prophet tells Naaman, I want you to go and dip in the Jordan seven times. Naaman goes, we have cleaner waters back in my hometown. Back in Syria, we've got that. I don't need to go dip. And so the handmaid comes and says, Master, if he told you to do something great, would you have done it? Absolutely. Is it not worth going and dipping in the Jordan? So finally he goes and he dips. And he's not clean on the first time, the second time, third time, so forth. When he comes up the seventh time, he is healed. 
But not only is he healed, but he understands something. And look at what he says in Naaman's own words. Then he, Naaman, returned to the man of God. He and all his company, he came and stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your what? Servant. He came before as a proud man. He came before as, I'll do what makes sense to me. Now he comes as a servant. And he says, now I know, now I know there is the God of heaven. All because he was obedient. When Naaman humbled himself and dipped in the Jordan, then he saw the God of heaven. The heavens were open to him and he understood Many Christians, church, will miss the spiritual blessing, the spiritual power in their life because they refuse to be obedient through baptism. I'll do it some other way. No. The first step for every believer is baptism. Go straight from the birth of Jesus to baptism. He did not start public ministry till baptism. Baptism is significant. That's why Jesus said, go make disciples. And what's the first thing you do? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Catch this truth today, church. You cannot have a heart to serve unless you have a heart to obey. You can't say, God, use me in whatever area you want. Unless you say, God, the areas I know that you've called me to, I'm going to obey. And that first one is obedience and baptism. Lord, I'll follow you. But there's a third point that we need to see, a third truth. And that third truth is this. Obedience releases or opens up the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Look at what happened with Jesus. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Now, folks, this is all in one verse, right? And when he was baptized... Coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. Now, notice, the baptism does not, okay, does not mean that you now have the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? That happens at salvation. That's the gift of salvation. When you get saved, God gives you his Spirit to seal you to the day of redemption. But where people see it, now notice, it came to rest on him not in him, because right, the Holy Spirit is in us. So here the preposition gives us great clearance. It comes to rest on him so others can see it, right? So others can see the power of the Holy Spirit. And church, we can't come to God and say, God, I want your power, unless we come and say, okay, God, I'm willing to obey. I consent with you. Whatever you say to do, God, I'm going to do. You don't get to pick and choose what gifts you get to get. You don't get to choose what order they come in. God says, here's what I want you to do. Look at what it says in John 1.33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You say, is baptism really necessary? What are the effects? Nobody knew that God had told John the Baptist, because notice what he says, I didn't know Jesus. Now, we know they're related, right? They met each other when they were in the womb, right? Because when Mary comes to Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, the babe within my womb leaped for joy, 
They had met that way, but outside of that point, they hadn't met each other. And so John goes, I don't know what he looks like. Have you ever tried to meet somebody that you don't know what they look like? When Kathy and I met, we met on a blind date. I had no idea who she was. We had a, a mutual friend who had introduced us, but I had no idea what Kathy McCoy looked like. So I asked a friend of mine, do you know Kathy McCoy? Oh, yeah. Which one is she? Well, he thought he knew her, but he ended up not knowing her, and he points out to the girl beside of Kathy. So I'm watching that girl all day long, trying to see who she hangs out with, her mannerisms and things. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I know a little bit about her. Now tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. We're supposed to meet that night for supper. I'm sitting out there and I'm talking to a guy. We're just talking sports and stuff. And here comes this girl walking up who I think is Kathy. So just the point, you got to wait for that. You don't want to be too eager, but you don't want to be too lazy. So you're kind of waiting for that right point. And just when I was getting ready to step out and introduce myself, the guy I'm talking to steps up and goes, hey, sweetheart. And I'm looking at the guy, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, I've been, you know, tricked or whatever, don't know what, what's going on. And all of a sudden, because I'm so dazed by this, I hear in the background, Randy, Randy. So I turn around, I'm like, what? <laughs> and she goes, are you Randy? And then I start to click, I'm like, are you Kathy? Yes. Ah, been nice to know that ahead of time, right? <laughs> Sometimes when you're going to meet with somebody... And you're trying to figure out who it is. You're trying to look him up. You check him out on Facebook and try to get some. John didn't have that. And so he says to God, God, how am I going to know who this person is? Because there's always been people pretending to be the Messiah. How am I going to know? God says, John, here's your, here's your sign. When you see the Spirit rest upon him, you'll know that's the Messiah. You see, folks, God works in ways that you and I don't have a clue on. And if we only try to do things that make sense to us, we miss out on the blessing. And so that's why when God tells us clearly, here's what I want you to do, then we take those steps of obedience and that opens up other avenues. But if we won't take that step of obedience, the Spirit says, instead of leading and guiding you now, now I have to chasten you. The best relationship that my daughter has with my wife and with me is when we are in accord and we are loving each other as we should and it's a great, wonderful time. But in the few times in her life where she decided her will was better, guess what? Our role had to change and now we had to correct and discipline. The Spirit is there and God's given to you and to me a free will. He says, okay, now, Randy, you got saved. I've told you your first step is obedience, a baptism. What are you going to do? God, I just don't want to go that route. I start the relationship off by the Holy Spirit coming, going, Randy, we got to get your will in mind. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we're given that spirit where people can see his effect upon our life. In fact, this decision is so great, we're given a direct command in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 that says this, do not quench the Spirit of God. What does it mean to quench, to put out, ignore? I'm not going to listen to you. No, I'm not going to go that route. No, I, I don't want to do that. The teens went to camp. 
They were challenged in many ways. They could have sat there and said, no, I don't want to do that, God. No, I don't want to honor my parents. You don't know what they are like. You don't know. They could have quenched the spirit or they could have said, okay, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And I guarantee you, the ones that you see the most joy for, the ones that just said, Lord, here am I. I consent to what you say. I'll do it. Matthew 4, 1 gives us an understanding about the spirit. Because imagine if Jesus had not been obedient, what the next step would have looked like. Matthew 4, 1 says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, right? The same Spirit that we saw descend on him just a few verses prior. The same Spirit that we saw descend on him at his baptism. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Church, I alluded to this at the beginning of the message And here's where you see it really come to fruition. You will not follow the Spirit of God in the temptation, in the trying, in the fire, if you won't follow him in the waters of baptism. Because you'll quit. It's too much. I can't take it. Or you'll give in and be tricked because the Spirit is not there, because you've quenched him. And you're not seeking his leading. So you sit there and go, well, I'm going to do what makes sense to me. Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil and the devil said, listen, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. Jesus could have said, man, sure beats going to the cross. A whole lot easier. Nobody has to die. See, humanly speaking, it would make sense. But in God's kingdom, in God's way, it did not. And the spirit directed. You see, salvation gives us the spirit. Don't miss that and don't forget that. Salvation gives us the Spirit, but baptism releases our will to His. Okay, Lord, I understand. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. God, I get it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. How do I do that? I follow the Spirit. As soon as I get saved, what what, what am I supposed to do next? You're supposed to follow the Lord in baptism. Let's go. And that releases my will than to follow the Spirit's. And no doubt some of you here today have never done that. You're still holding on to your will. You're still trying to do it your way, in your order. And God says there's only one order. So salvation gives us the spirit. Baptism releases our will to his. And then our lives are spent following him. That is the true process of a heart to serve, not the reverse. Not, hey God, I helped a person put gas in their car are you okay with that? Uh, it's not about mounding up works. It's about following the Spirit. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to be baptized. Okay, Lord, I'll be baptized. Okay, Lord, I was baptized. Now what do you want me to do? I want you to love your wife as I love the church. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. What, Lord, now what? I want you to train up your child in the way she should go. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. Lord, what do you want me to do now? You see, he leads and he directs in what I am to do. Not me trying to come up with a plan that sounds good. Surely, God, you would delight in this. It would be like this. If you had a teenager who had a car, you ever notice how well teenagers take care of their own cars when they have to buy it? But what if you said to your teenager... Uh, 
I want you to clean your room. Your teenager says, don't really want to do that. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know it. So they go out instead and spend two hours cleaning their car, polishing it. Wow, I mean, looking good. And so you notice and you go and you say, hey, did you clean your room? No, nobody's going to see that. But I cleaned my car, and you're always after me to keep my car clean, so isn't that good? And all the parents said, no. All the kids said, why not? You see, obedience. When God says to do something, we've got to do it his way, or it doesn't matter. We don't get to sit there and determine our way. So do we have the willingness to say, Lord, I'm going to follow the Spirit. Your will be done, not mine. But there's a fourth thing we need to see, and that's this. Obedience pleases our Father God. Obedience pleases our Father God. You want to make God happy? Obey. I'm thankful he's not hard to please. Could you imagine if we were making this design, how maybe we would do it? You know, water baptism is just too easy. We're going to put them in a pit of snakes. And if you make it out of the pit alive, then you have my blessing. If not, you went in wrong. Now, I wonder if today, instead of going to Camp Caraway to their lake, I wonder if we were going to a pit of venomous snakes, how many participants we would have. See, the thing I love about Jesus is he says this, take my yoke upon you for it is light. It's not hard to follow Jesus. It just means sacrificing my will. But the thing that pleases God is obedience. When we just simply say, okay, Lord, you said do it, I'll do it. And I love how, again, he's our God. He's our Father. And that makes all the difference. Hebrews 25, I'm sorry, Matthew 25, 23 says this. Jesus is talking about the parable of the master and the servants. And it says this. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Notice, it is the servant that hears these words. Because what's the principle of position? Jesus said, the greatest in my kingdom is those that serve the most on this earth. You see, to hear those words, well done, it doesn't mean, well done, you pastor of a multi-million member church, no. It's not, well done, You've gained millions of dollars in your account. No. It's not well done for you did. You did. Here's what is well done because you obeyed. Well done because you understood the principle of position. Well done because you understood the principle of mentoring. You served others. Well done because you believed me when I said the significance of baptism. You said, even though it doesn't make sense to me, Lord, I trust you and I follow you. You cannot live a life that is pleasing to God unless you live in obedience to him. And that obedience must, not should, not it's a good idea, must begin with baptism. To start anywhere else is for you to be in charge and not God. I can't say, God, I feel uncomfortable with water, I feel uncomfortable with people, I feel uncomfortable with those things, so I'm going to bypass that and I'm going to go over here. No, Lord, you said start with baptism. 
That's where I start. Just like, folks, I can't explain to you all the supernatural, all the spiritual significance that happens when a husband and a wife join together in marriage. And the Bible says, and the two become one. As we looked at in marriage, that's a God thing. And I know that it's there because when the devil tried to get at Job, he took away everything else, but he couldn't touch his wife because to touch his wife would have been to touch Job. There is a spiritual power, a spiritual truth that is there. The same thing happens to baptism. And when we say to God, I don't recognize the importance of baptism, we're saying to God, I'm not willing to follow you. A heart to serve comes from a servant with a heart like God's. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in in heaven. I started the message by asking you this question. Are you willing to consent to whatever God shows you today? And maybe that truth is that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've tried to do it on your own. You've tried to do it through good works. You've tried to do it through church attendance, whatever the case. But today you understand that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So maybe you're agreeing with God is saying, I need to be saved. Maybe you're agreeing with God comes by saying, I need to be baptized. I made a profession of faith, but I've never been saved. I've never been baptized. Lord, I believe you. I obey you. And so I'm going to be baptized. Maybe for some of you, say, Randy, I'm saved and I've been baptized, but instead of the Spirit leading me in blessing and joy, he's chastening me because I know there's things in my life that aren't the way they should be. Church, are you willing to leave here saying, I agree with God. I obey him. Because if I'm going to have a heart to serve, I recognize he is the master. And I follow Jesus. Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. Father, there, there are so many things that, that we don't understand. But we know that they are true. Father, so many things that, that it's hard for us to explain. Because it's on a heavenly level. It's on a spiritual level. And our earthly minds just have a hard time wrapping our minds around it because it's not how we operate. It's not how we think. But Father, we pray those words. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So Father, today may you find us having a heart of obedience and following you. And then to be able to see that blessing in our life. To see the Spirit leading us, using us, working through us. And then pleasing our God. And having that spiritual kingdom opened. Father, would you help us to be obedient today? For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So church, the challenge is clear. First, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted him as Lord? Have you acknowledged you're a sinner and he's the only way of salvation? If not, you can be saved today if you'll just call upon him. But maybe you're here and you say, Randy, I know I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. But there's no but. You need to be baptized. And what better way than today to say, Lord, remember immediately, Jesus didn't wait, that you say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow you in baptism.
You say, we, did, we didn't bring any change of clothes. We got everything you need. As long as you have the heart to obey, we can make it happen. To say, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to be obedient and be baptized. But maybe you're here and you, you, you are saved and you've been baptized, but you're not living a life of obedience, and God's calling you to that today. I just challenge you to surrender those things to God, agree with God upon it, and follow him. Have that obedient heart. And so during the first song that the worship team does, whether we invite you here to this spot or where you're at, that you would obey. There's a connection card in front of you. If you make a decision or if there's something we can help you pray about, please fill that out. Give it to someone back at Next Steps as you leave, and we'd love to give resources and, and help you pray with those areas. During the second song, the usher team will be coming. If this is your first time here, Maybe somebody's getting baptized and they invited you here. Please understand, we didn't invite you to try to get money. Feel free to let the bucket pass. We just wanted you to see Jesus. But church, it comes down to this. Will you agree with God? And will you obey your God?